Well, let's take our Bibles this morning. Please turn to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. Last Sunday, I started a series that been entitled Created for a Purpose. Created for a Purpose. And last Sunday, I preached a message that might have been a bit out of order. And if you were trying to lay out messages and say, how do we go through this series? Um, but I did it on purpose because I preached Created for Fellowship. And uh, I, I just wanted to kind of encourage folks that it's time to get moving, amen? And uh, going in the right direction and starting back uh, fellowshipping with one another, and we're so thankful that uh, things are opening up and we're heading in that direction, so I wanted to encourage you in that way. Let's have a word of prayer. We'll dismiss our children. If you found your place in Genesis chapter 1, bow your heads with me this morning. Brother Cody is going to lead us in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks that we're able to gather, Lord, that we're able to look forward to ministries, and I pray your hand of blessing upon them, and this ministry here right now, as we open up the word, that your power will work in and through it. Lord, we need, we need you in this hour. The world needs Jesus. Help us, God, to be shining lights. Pray for these children, the next generation, the, the, the children that are going to be deacons and Sunday school teachers and missionaries and perhaps even pastors, that your blessing would be upon them in their homes that your blessing would go before them, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, children, you are dismissed. Let's dismiss quietly. Genesis chapter 1 this morning. We'll look down near the end of the chapter, verse 26. You know, it ought to come as no surprise to us that if God has created us to give fellowship to him, and God, who is all self-sustaining, desired fellowship, then it should be no surprise to us that we also need fellowship. We are created in the image of God, and so I would encourage you as, as things are opening up, and uh, quite frankly, at this point, now we are full open. We've got every ministry back running again, and I hope that you'll take advantage of some of those fellowship times. You need them. And uh, sometimes we can get away from those things for a little while, and we kind of get sheltered and hold up to ourselves, and uh, it changes us, and we, we, we become a little bit too uh, uh, sequestered and, and on our own, and it's not good, it's not healthy. And let me encourage you, get out and get some fellowship and, and try to encourage one another. You are commanded, you say, well, I don't, I don't get encouragement from this bunch. Well, I understand, sometimes not everybody is all that encouraging, but here's the thing, you are called to encourage them. You're called to exhort them and to help them and be a blessing. And so let me encourage you to get involved in that. But this morning we're going to look at created in his image. Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, created in the image. How many of you have heard that? We are created in the image of God. And I, I want to say to you this morning that when somebody says that, I, 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 believe, I believe it to be a biblical truth, but I also believe when they say it, it, it's, it's partially true. It's partially true. We're going to look at that this morning. We understand that, that I am not a very good image bearer of God. I was created in his image as my father Adam and Eve were. But I also know that I bear a corrupted image. A corrupted image because of sin. Not a very good picture of the Lord. But the Bible says we are to be a conformed image to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. And those are basically our three points today. So if you want to close up your Bible and go home, you can. But let's, let's look at the Bible a little deeper this morning. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air 
And over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb-bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree in the which is the fruit of the tree-yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat. And to every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the air, and to everything that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good, and the evening and the morning We're the sixth day. Let's pray together. Father, we love you and we thank you for being so good to us. We pray that you would help us now, Lord, as we focus upon the word of God, that you'd speak to our hearts. May the Holy Spirit of God penetrate us and just do a perfect work in our lives today. Lord, Romans chapter 8 tells us that the Spirit prays for our infirmities, our weaknesses. For we really don't know how to pray. Because he can search the heart and pray for us according to the will of God. Lord, here's one thing I'm I'm sure of, that you are not willing that any should perish. And if there's somebody here today that's not saved, I pray that the Spirit of God would search their hearts. I pray, Lord, that he would draw them to the cross of Calvary, that he would see their Savior hanging there that had paid the price for their sins, and that they would realize their need because of the Spirit's plead in their life. And I pray, Lord, that they'd bow the knee and accept him into their heart today. Father, save them. Lord, I pray that you'd help us, Lord, who know the Lord. You'd help us to to discover our purpose in life by understanding what it means to be created in his image and his likeness. Father, we'll give you the praise. Lord, I surrender to you. I need your help. Some theology here, and I I desperately want to keep it straight, and I pray, Lord, that you would uh, just just fill me with the Spirit and, and use each word for your glory. Well, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Look back to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. The Bible says, And God said, Let us make man in our image. But don't miss that next part. After our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. I suppose it was some time during the end of the last day of creation, day six. God had been busy that day. The Bible says he created all the animals. And after he created the animals, he called, he said, let us, he had a little meeting with himself and said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. You know the story, God took man and Adam and he made a little garden and he put Adam in that garden. Genesis chapter 2 tells us how Eve was created, but we also know she was created on that sixth day as well because Genesis chapter 1 talks about both of them, how he created them and placed them in the garden. It wasn't long that Adam was around. He was naming the animals and already God noticed a void in his life. And so he said, it is not good for man to be alone. And he created Eve to be a helpmeet to him. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 has a lot of doctrine in just those few words. And God said, let us. 
In there, we have the implication of the Trinity. And God is the three in one. Whether it's implicitly stated or not, we can see that God is a plurality, that God is both the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we see that bore out throughout the scriptures, and we have a deeper understanding as we read more of the Bible. But God is the three in one. He is the self-existing one. And, And to say that he needed or wanted the fellowship of man astounds me, being all sufficient in and of himself. But I believe he wanted our fellowship because he loved us, desired to, to be with us and commune with us. We see here also, not only do we see the triune God, we see this next statement, and God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. We see, first of all, we were created in his image. That's something that we often say. I've been created in the image of God, but I'm going to be honest with you, a lot of times when people say it, I I have to look through, I'll just be honest with you, judgmental eyes and say, boy, you sure don't look like God to me. You're not a fair representation of the Lord. And when I say those things and I'm being judgmental, can I be honest with you? I'm looking in the mirror. Not a great image bearer. Not a great likeness. Several years ago, I guess I was about 13, 14 years old, and our family took a trip to the East Coast. I don't remember the exact year, but I was about that age. And we stopped somewhere to get some gas. And while we were at the gas station, my dad saw somebody he knew across the parking lot down in the East Coast. And it turned out it was the best man from his wedding. He was driving a big tanker truck, and he was getting diesel over there. And Dad saw him across the parking lot. So Dad and I walked over to say hi, and and that was the first time I'd ever met him that I can remember. I did not see that man again until about six or seven years ago. I stopped in a, a local restaurant, and he was in there eating with his brothers. And I looked at him, and I thought, I know that guy. I remember his face, but I couldn't remember when I'd seen him or how I'd seen him, but I just, I remembered him. Now understand, from the time I was 13 to the time I was 42 or 43, I looked a bit different. Uh, I I was probably 200 pounds heavier. I had a little bit less hair, you, you understand? I looked completely different. And I saw them kind of looking at me. And so I got up and I went over and I said, I named him by name. I said, are you? And he said, yeah, I am. He says, are you Les Fury's son? And I said, how in the world? I said, when I met you, you were an adult. But when you met me, I was just a kid. How did you? He said, here's what he said. All you Furies kind of look alike. There was a likeness. There was an image there. But here's the thing. At the end of the day, we're supposed to look like Christ. We were created in his image, but there's a purpose in that creation. God God didn't say, well, I I just want to make people to be like me. And that's not talking about our physical bodies. God is a spirit, the Bible says. But we have the ability to, to, to have emotions and we have the ability to carry the spirit of God within us. And so we, we have the ability to communicate. That's when other animals don't have that. And so God has made us special and in his image that we might be like him. But at the end of the day, we are to be like him. We see in the scripture as I'm, I'm looking at this passage today, first of all, we see it's an image that represents God. 
Now, don't, don't take that the wrong way. We are, we are ambassadors of God on earth, but that's not what I'm saying here. When I say an image that represents God, I, I see the word there, let them have dominion. Dominion. We are in charge of the earth. We are keepers of the earth. Let me put it this way. We are to be stewards of what God has given us. And the fact that God has given us dominion over this earth means that we will give an account to him one day. Amen? Listen, I, I, I know that there's, there's some that go a, a, a big a, extreme with this idea. And they, they're out there hugging the trees. and they, well, they have an idea of pantheism. They believe that God is in the trees and God is... We don't, we don't believe that. We believe God is a spirit. And, and, and so we don't worship the creation over the creator. That's a sin, according to Romans chapter 1. But I do know this. God placed Adam and Eve in the garden to take care of it. When they were expelled from the garden, they were to till the ground. I'm not, I'm not here to get into a big environmental discussion today. I'm just saying that we are stewards of God's creation and God expects us to have dominion over it and take care of it and to respect what God has given us. I'm just saying, so when I say we are the representatives of God, I'm saying God has given us dominion. We have the leadership over the earth. Calvin was talking to me the other day and he was saying, do you think people will ever, actually let me rephrase that just so you can hear how crazy Calvin is. Calvin said, I believe in 50 years people will be living on Mars. And I said, I don't believe it. Now, maybe I'm just old-fashioned, but I, I don't believe it. And here's why I don't believe it. God never gave us dominion over space. God gave us dominion over the earth. And I think God lets us know that every once in a while when there's a tragedy in space. Hey, you're not in charge up here. I put you down there. And we ought to be very careful pushing the envelope beyond what God has given to us. God has given them dominion. So we are God's representatives in the sense that, that we have leadership or dominion over the earth. But here's, here's what we want to look at. We also see an image first that represents God, but an image that resembles God. Notice what he says. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. After our likeness. Now, this is important. A lot of times we will say, well, I was created in the image of God. But how many often do we hear somebody say, I was created in the likeness of God? There is a difference. They are similar. And sometimes in a poetic sense, we'll say things re repeated in the Bible. So just in the next verse, he says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created him. He repeats himself. But I believe there is a difference in these two words. In the image of God and in the likeness of God. Man was created to resemble God in a lot of ways. It's not just this physical representation, but we have an emotion, a soul, a spirit, the ability to be a tabernacle or a temple of God's Holy Spirit if you're saved today. And, and understand this, when I read that into the scripture, I understand that we are created to look like God, to be like God, to represent God. I, I understand this, now I know why Satan was so jealous. He was also a created being. But do you remember what he said in Isaiah 14? I will be like the Most High. I don't know when that happened. Did it happen before man was created? Did it happen after man was created? I don't know. Did he know the plans of God to create a man in his own image? And Satan says, well, I'll be like God. These, these, these people that he's creating, these flesh and blood, these ones he's putting upon this earth and populating, 
Why are they so special? I will be like God. I will arise to be like the most holy. I will build my tabernacle on the highest points of the mountain. And he exalted himself. And when he attacked God's creation by offering to Eve a position that was not hers, that's exactly what he did. He says, ye shall be as gods. Now understand what he's saying there. When we read in the scripture, ye shall be as gods. The literal Hebrew interpretation is, ye shall be Elohim. You will be God. When you take of that tree of knowledge of good and evil, you will be God. God has created you in his likeness, a semblance, a shadow of, a well-created image. But Satan says, I can, I can take you the next step. I can make you so you're like a God. That's the same lie he's told the Mormons. That's the same lie he's told Islam. When they die a martyr's death, they get their own kingdom. They get rewarded. No, no. That's a lie from the pits of hell. And countless other religions have bought into it. That we can be gods. No, no, no. We are just the image of we are just a picture. If I were to tell you today to open up your wallet and to pull out your driver's license and to pass that around the room, let everybody see your, how many of you like those? Everybody complains about their driver's license pictures. My wife says the only thing missing from my picture is the nickels over my eyes. I look like a corpse. It's horrible. I, I look like I'm 90 years old. My face is drawn. I'm tired looking and you got to take your glasses off. That doesn't help. Nobody likes that. You know why? Because when we look at a photograph of ourselves, that's how others see us. When you look in the mirror in the morning, it doesn't look that bad sometimes. Maybe, I don't know. But we look in the mirror and we say, well, that's how I see myself. And I have the opportunity when I look in the mirror to fix things and change things and pluck that eyebrow and pull that hair out of my ear and comb my hair and brush my teeth and, and I can adjust things that are in the mirror. But when you have a photograph, that's how everybody else perceives me. That's what I look like. You are a walking, talking photograph or an image of God. Satan says it's not enough. I will make you like a God. I will make you Elohim. Blasphemy. I just say that by way of introduction today to help us sort out the idea of what is to be created in his image. But I want you to understand this. Chaos ensued. Man sinned and fell away from God, and we see also that, that we are corruption, the corruption of his image. Notice, if you will, in Genesis chapter 3, what happens after man is planted in the garden. Man began to create a false images of God, and they were trying to, to replace what God had done in their lives. And look at Genesis chapter 3. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree... 
which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves aprons. I'm going to stop there. We see, first of all, when we talk about the corruption of his image, we see a fateful choice. In Genesis chapter 3, I'll summarize it this way. Satan tempted, Eve took, Adam sinned, and mankind fell. That's kind of what happened in a nutshell. Satan tempted, Eve took, Adam sinned, and mankind fell. We know that what comes next, Adam and Eve were expelled from the garden, and they were put upon them curses that they would carry to this day as a result of their sin. But worst of all, they were cut off from fellowship with God. That place that God dwelt in among them and walked and talked with them in the garden, they were put out of. And it doesn't mean they never got to pray. It doesn't mean that God never spoke to them again. But the fellowship was damaged because his image became corrupted by sin. So to say that we are created in the image of God is true, but it is a corrupted image. Sin has brought us low. Jesus put it this way, all ye like sheep have gone astray. We're lost. We're undone. And we need Christ. Notice We see the corruption of his image. We see this fateful choice that Adam and Eve made. And and though they were forgiven and blood was shed and animal skins were created as a picture of the cross of Calvary that would come one day, the seed of sin had been planted in the earth. And boy, did it ever grow. How many of you know weeds grow a lot faster than good stuff? And sin took off. It was rampant. Cain and Abel were born, and Cain killed Abel. It didn't take long. So we see a faithful choice, but we also see a fundamental change. Look at Genesis chapter 4. Look at right near the end. We see 130 years have passed since the creation. And the Bible says in verse 25 of chapter 4, And Adam knew his wife again, and she bare a son, and called his name Seth. For God said, she hath appointed me another seed instead of Abel, whom Cain slew. Now, that does not mean that Seth is the third-born child of Adam and Eve. That's not what that means. Because when Cain is, is killed Abel and he's going out into the earth, he's afraid of all the other inhabitants of the earth. So Adam and Eve have had lots of kids, lots of kids. I just believe this is the firstborn after Cain slew Abel. All right? So let's make sure we're clear on that. So we see a fundamental change. And so the Bible goes on to say in verse chapter 5, this is the book, or sorry, verse 26, and to Seth, to him also there was born a son, and he called his name Enos. Now, chapter 5 will tell us that this took place when Seth was 105 years old. So now 235 years of human history have passed. And look what the Bible says next in chapter 4, verse 26. Then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. How many people were on the earth by that time? I have no clue. 
The Bible doesn't tell us about Adam and Eve's other children. They had plenty of daughters, I'm sure, as well, or else they could not reproduce. The Bible says that when Cain was put out, he was afraid of the cities he would go into because there they'd be seeking after his life. And and so there was already people that were populating the earth and cities being grown. In this time, it's, it's very possible in 130 years that Adam and Eve are already grandparents several times over with several generations below them. We don't know. But we know there was people. But it took 235 years for man to call upon the name of the Lord. Boy, when we sin, we do it right, don't we? When we hunker down in that attitude of sin, in this world of sin, sometimes our eyes are so blinded, we don't even look for God. The Bible talks about the God of this world blinding the eyes of those that live here. Friend, can I, can I encourage you, stay close to the Lord. The only hope for this corrupted image of God, if we are going to look anything like Jesus, is to stay close to him. So we see a fateful choice and we see a fundamental change that takes place. Read on. In Genesis chapter 5 verse 1, this is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man, in the likeness of God made he him. Now understand what verse 1 is saying. We're doing a little doctrinal study here. In the day that God created man. In the day that God created man, he was created in his image. All right? Look at verse 2. Male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam in the day when they were created. And Adam lived 130 years and begat a son. What's it say? In his own likeness after his image and called his name Seth. The days of Adam after he had begotten Seth were 800 years and he begat sons and daughters. And all the days that Adam lived were 930 years and he died. In the day that God created Adam, he created him in the likeness of God. Verse 2, male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam in the day when they were created. But now Adam gives birth to Seth and he says he is created in Adam's image and Adam's likeness. That makes sense to us, doesn't it? You look like your parents sometimes. We have uh, Josh and Bella staying with us, and a lot of times Bella will say something, and I think, boy, she sounds just like her mom. She'll make a face or something, and say she looks just like her mom. Spitting image. We've, we've said that about people in this world. So we know what it's like to be in the likeness and the image of someone, but Seth was in the likeness of Adam. He was in the image of Adam. Now look at Genesis chapter 9. He said, well, maybe God did a great reset. Genesis chapter 9. Man had sinned and the sin of man came up into the nostrils of God and God wiped out the earth with a great flood, saving Noah and his family alive because they found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And look at Genesis chapter 9 and verse 1. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every fowl of the air, upon all that moveth upon the earth and upon all the fishes of the sea. Into your hand are they delivered Every moving thing that liveth shall be meat for you, even as the green herb have I given you all things, but flesh with the life therein, which is the blood, thereof shall ye not eat. 
And surely your blood of your lives will I require at the hand of every beast will I require it. And at the hand of man, at the hand of every man's brother will I require the life of man. Listen to this, verse 6. Who shall sheddeth man's blood? By man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God made he man. What's missing? He's still in the image of God, as tarnished as it may be, but the Bible doesn't say he's in the likeness of God anymore. You say, how long has passed? I did a study one time, and I worked out the numbers here, how many years we're in. This is about the year 1456, 1,456. If you look at all the patriarchs of the Bible, Adam lived while Lamech was born, Noah's father. Isn't that something? And so the generations were just passing down information one to another, but at the same time, sin was exploding. Incredible. And so here we have Noah finding grace in the eyes of the Lord. He gets off that ark and God says to him, if, if you shed another man's blood, your blood will also be shed for in the image of God. Wait a minute, what about the likeness of God? You don't look like me much anymore. You're not very good representations of me anymore. Sin has destroyed that likeness. It wasn't long ago, just in the last few weeks actually, I ran into somebody that I hadn't seen, I think it was about nine years. At the time, they were a young person that had come to the church and we'd been working with them and made a profession of faith, baptized. And we're just trying to work with them and help them and encourage them. I know they were going to a Bible study group at their high school and, and uh, the pastor uh, that was doing that, I knew him and I talked to him about this young man and we were trying to help him along and encourage him. And I just ran into him. And I didn't recognize him. Unrecognizable. Hair was a different color. The scars of sin were all over him. It had changed him. And I said, he saw me, he came up to me, he says, I haven't, been, I haven't been around. He says, I haven't seen you in a long time. He says, you're Pastor Al, right? I said, yeah. I said, I'm sorry. I said, I, what's your name? And he told me his name. And I thought, boy, I, can't, I still don't remember. And I'm looking and trying to figure it out. Said, what's your last name? He kind of rolled his eyes and kind of disgusted him. I didn't remember him, but if you saw, you wouldn't remember either. And just before he said his last name, I went, oh, I know him. The eyes were the same, but everything else had changed. Sin destroys, changes a life. And that's what we are seeing here by the time we get to Noah. God has created a perfect earth Adam was in the likeness and the image of God. But now God says, you still have emotion. You still have the capability of communicating. You still can be bearers of my spirit if you'll be saved. But you just don't look like me anymore. You just don't look like me anymore. Let me ask you today, I'm just going to stop, pause for a moment. You are created in the image of God. But does the world see God in you?
Can they see his likeness? Do they see his compassion? Do they see his grace? Those are things that grow in us over time. The Bible talks about being conformed to his image, and we'll look at that in a moment. That implies a change, doesn't it, that takes place. There's lots of verses like that. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Put off the old man, put on the new. Verse after verse talks about this change, this transformation that takes place. And friend, let me say this. Without that transformation, you carry around a corrupted image. And sometimes even with that transformation, we don't look a lot like Christ. We read in the book of Acts that the disciples or the followers of Christ were first called Christians at Antioch. It was an insult to label this new group, this sect of people that followed Jesus. But what they are saying is they are little Christ's. They act like Jesus. They talk like Jesus. Peter and John were unlearned and ignorant men, but they could tell they'd been with Jesus. Something had happened in their life. Years ago, there was a song that came out by a quartet. I can't remember the, who actually sang it. It just says, when the world looks at me, do they see Jesus? When the world looks at me, what do they see? Do they see hope? Do they see love? Do they see charity? When the world looks at me, what do they see? We have a corrupted image, but I want to give you some good news. We are to be conformed to his image. We are to be conformed to his image. Why why do you suppose those verses are in the New Testament? That we are predestinated to be conformed to the image of his son. If we are created in the image of God, why does he keep saying we got to change? We got to be born again. We got to put off the old man. We have to be crucified with Christ. Why? Because we carry a corrupted image. We are not what God originally made us to be. And so we must change. Notice what the Bible says. Conformed to his image. Turn, if you will, to Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. I have a short five-minute video I'm going to share with you in a minute. So I'm going to race through this. Because I want you to see something. Galatians chapter 2, look at verse 20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Jump forward a couple chapters. Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6, verse 14. But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. Ever since before the fall of man, God had a plan to redeem us. Isn't that wonderful? God had a plan. He knew we would sin. He knew we would fail. He knew that we would not bear the right image of his Father. And so Christ has a plan. Number one, we're called to be crucified. 
Let me rehearse some of those verses in your ears once again. We are to put off the old man and put on the new. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Behold, all things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable on him. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Why? Because you'll prove that you're that, that is the acceptable, good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We are to crucify this flesh. When Christ died, we are to allow our sins to die with him. We are to be washed in the blood of Jesus. We are to be made new creatures in Christ. But friend, that can only happen if you're transformed by the living spirit of God. When you trust Jesus as your Savior, his spirit comes into your life and he starts changing things and making things more into the image of Christ. So we are called to be crucified, but we are also called to be conformed. Turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. We'll be finished here. Romans chapter 8. How many in Romans chapter 8 is your favorite passage of Scripture in the Bible? Isn't that a great passage? Great chapter. Romans 8. Look at verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Listen, when you accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, that Spirit comes in. And notice what he starts doing? He starts working. He knows your infirmities. What are infirmities? Your weaknesses. He knows where you're not representing Christ just right. He knows you're besetting sin. He knows the bitterness of your heart. He knows the burdens of your soul. He knows the pain that you feel. And so when God saves us and Christ redeems us, his spirit seals us and he comes into our life and he takes up residence in us and he begins to look around and he begins to work in our lives. And so he seeks out our infirmities, our weaknesses. And notice what happens. For we know not how we ought to pray. For or, or what we should pray as we for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. See, so what is the will of God? Keep reading. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. By the way, his purpose and his will are perfectly aligned. Verse 29, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. The spirit gets in and he starts searching your heart. And you say, oh, that hurts. Ugh. And God says, I'm working it all together for good. But I want to hold on to that sin. No, you can't have it anymore. It's under the blood. That's a sin I died for. That's a sin I forgave. That's only going to drag you down deep and keep you under longer. It's going to try to destroy your life. And sin, when it has an end, is a death. So he chips it out of our lives. And continues to do a work in us for one purpose. That we might be conformed to the image of his son.
You see, if we're supposed to be like God, why do I want to be like his son? Because Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 says that Jesus Christ is the express image of the Father. You see, what does that mean, express image? Exact replica. That's why Jesus said, you've seen the Father, or you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's why Jesus said, I and my Father are one. He's a spitting image. He's exactly like his father. That's why he came to be our example. That's why he came to show us. In John 1.14, so we might behold his glories of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth, that we might strive to be like Jesus, because to be like Jesus is to be a way better image of the father than to be like us. And that's who we're supposed to be. So how do we do this? How does it take place? Number one, through a spiritual birth. You have to be born again. You can't do it in the flesh. That's what religion has tried to teach us to do. That's what denominations have tried to teach. If I can just be like God, that's what Satan said. That's what Satan promised in the garden. But it's not of works, lest any man should boast. For by grace are you saved through faith. You have to trust in Jesus Christ and his finished work of Calvary. Listen, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, we want to take some time today and show you what the Bible says. How you can know you can have eternal life through Jesus Christ in just a few moments will give you that opportunity. But not only must we have the spiritual birth, we must surrender to his purpose. We must live a spiritual life. The Bible says the Spirit help with our infirmities, and we are to surrender to his purpose. It's like a sculptor that is chipping away at a rock. He's trying to make us more and more like Christ every day. But we have to surrender to him. That means reading the Bible. It means praying. That means allowing the word of God to affect our hearts. I want to show you a video. This is a video that was really made for teenagers. And so please forgive that there's a little bit of humor in it. I don't know if that's appropriate at this type of message, but the message is powerful. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 that we are his workmanship. We are his workmanship. That word workmanship in the Greek only appears one other time in the Bible, and it's the word in Romans chapter 1, made, where it talks about that everything that was made declares the glory of God. It literally means this. It means masterpiece. Masterpiece. We were created to be a masterpiece for God. Watch the video. Let it speak to your heart. Ephesians 2.10 says we are God's masterpiece. I don't know about you, but when I look in the mirror, I don't see a masterpiece, but I want to. So I go to God and I pray. Dear Heavenly Father, would you do whatever it takes to mold me into the image of your Son? Make me your masterpiece. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hi. Oh, who are you? I'm God. You said the prayer, so here I am. That's how it works. <laughs> you're not God. No, I am. Okay, uh, if you're God, what does Lamentations 15.9 say? Lamentations is a very short book. It only has five chapters. Why is it so short? I was tired of lamenting. You are God. 
What, what's that about? These are the tools I'm gonna use to make you into my original masterpiece. This is the process. I thought you were a carpenter. That's my son, let's get busy. Okay. I'm gonna bring up things in your life that don't belong in your life. And uh, start right here, your anger. Ow! I created the emotion, but you use it in the wrongest of ways. You compare yourself to others instead of me, and you lie. You tell little white lies, you're so afraid of confrontation. You're becoming a people pleaser. Okay, time out. Um, I think you've done some really good work, and I'm looking pretty good right now. When you look in the mirror, who do you see? I see me. Okay, then I need to keep chiseling away because ultimately, you and other people need to see my son. Okay, but when I look like Jesus, people get uncomfortable, and I don't think I'm supposed to do that. So what you're saying is you'd rather play God in certain areas of your life than for me to be God over your whole life. No, what I'm saying is you've grown me to here. Maybe we take a break from each other for a while, all right? And then I'll stay here, and then you come back, and we can grow some more. You never just take a break from me. You're either moving toward me or away from me, but you never just plateau. What you're doing is called control. Do you want to control things in your life or can I chisel? Control, chisel, control, chisel. No, 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 chisel. All right, here we go. Can we chisel where I want? That's called control. Okay, sorry. Mm. This right here, that secret sin, that thing that you run to whenever you're hurting, you're angry, you're lonely, you're tired. Do you want to keep rearranging this in your life or do you want me to chisel it out? Chisel it. It's not a sprint, it's a marathon. It's your whole life. This, this hurts, okay? I don't think you understand this pain. Don't talk to me about pain. I know all about pain. I sent my son to die on the cross for pain, for sin, but I also did it for another reason, to give you freedom. Do you know what insanity is? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting different results. And there are things that you are doing in your life that are insane. Allow me to chisel them out of your life. I know, but I've let you down so many times, God. No. You were never holding me up. Okay, then chisel away. But just be prepared for what you're gonna find in there. Cause I know who's inside there. God, I get up every morning and I hate what I see in the mirror cause inside is this scared, stupid kid. And I try, I try, but I can't. I can't be who everybody else expects for me to be. God, I can't even be who I wanna be, much less who you created me to be. So chisel away and just know what you're gonna find in there. You have listened to so many voices, so many critics for far too long that are not for me. And you've bought into the lie. You think you're junk, don't you? When you lay your head down at night, at the end of the day, you think you're junk. I don't take time to make junk. I wanna show you something about my love. Reach in your back pocket. This is a, it's a page from a notebook when I was in college. How'd you get this? Hello? Oh, yeah. Go ahead, read it. Dear God, did I hear you right? You said you want to use me. But I feel really useless. But if you can take this life, this mess of a life I have, and do with it what you want, I love you, God. I love you too. And I love you too much just to leave you where you're at. It's gonna be tough. Yes, but you bought into the lie thinking everything was gonna be easy when you said yes to me. There will be trouble in this world, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I want you to do something. I want you to look out there and I want you to say, Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Tommy is God's? No, not the way you see yourself or you try so desperately for others to see you. But maybe for the first time in your life, the way I made you, the way I created you. 
Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Yes, you are. And so are you. You are an original masterpiece. This morning with our heads bowed, our eyes closed. That's what God has created you to be, his image, his reflection, his likeness. Can you honestly say that's what we are today or what you are? If you compare yourself to the person around you, you might say, well, I'm not as bad as this guy. You might be right. But when we compare ourselves to Christ and what we're supposed to be, conformed to his image, are we willing to surrender and allow the master to take that chisel to our lives? There's one here today. Say, Pastor, I just, I need to lay it down. I need to let it go. I need to let God work. I want to be, I want to be what God wants me to be. I was created for a purpose, created in his image, but it's a tarnished image, and I just want to be conformed to his image. I want to be like him. Someone here say, Pastor, I'm not sure I'm saved. I've never even taken that first step of being born again. I'd like to know more about that. So one, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. Nobody's looking around, I promise you. If you just slip up your hand, I'd just like to ask God to, to help you today, to show you, bring you into a greater understanding of the Word of God and what it means to have eternal life. And you can know today, the Bible says, these things have I written unto them that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Do you have that security in your heart today? So one that say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I'm not going to embarrass you, I promise. But I'm not sure I'm saved. I'm not sure if I were to die today, I'd go to heaven. I don't know. I'd like to know. Is there one? 